This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Hey, happy extended 4th of July weekend, right? Yes, yes. A couple things. Uh, I don't want it to be lost on us that one of the primary reasons the original group of settlers came to our land was so that you and I could have religious freedom. And we might not always agree on how people invest that and what they do with it. But you know what? I would still rather have freedom and be given the opportunity to invest it poorly than to have it taken from me. And so in this week, as we celebrate the birthday of our country, let's do so with grateful hearts that we can come here today because I've been in countries where where literally there was no religious freedom. I have walked into church services past armed guards with machine guns uh, to make sure that no one shot us up during the service. So uh, it's a great time to be thankful for our country. And uh, I just want to lead us in a short prayer. Would you please join me? Father, we are grateful that in this country we have tremendous freedom perhaps more freedoms than any country ever in the history of our world. And and yet we've had them from birth, and it kind of just seems normal and natural, and therefore it's really easy for us just to take it for granted and to sort of assume that everybody's always had this. So would you deepen our appreciation for the freedom that you have given us and that has been protected for us by this country. God, we pray for the Woodleafs as they travel this week to come here. Would you carry them safely? Thank you for providing a home for them. And it's a very exciting time for us and for them. And I know they're really chomping at the bit to get here but would you carry them safely across the country as they drive? And uh, Father, we are grateful for other churches in our town that faithfully stand and proclaim the good news of Jesus. And today, especially we're grateful for Trinity Presbyterian and Reed Hankins and the people who are gathered there even as we're gathered here. Father, would you help the Global Leadership Summit that we just saw a promo for? Would you help it to have a deep and profound effect on this church, on bunches of us, that we might influence better where we are and that our lives might make a bigger difference than they currently are? Would you walk us through this service this morning We are so grateful. We pray for our friends who are scattered all over the place with family gatherings and picnics and all that stuff. But also, we're so grateful that you show up here and you're going to do your work. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
I was telling our worship teams and tech teams this morning, uh, reminding them that God never takes a Sunday off. He doesn't have a holiday where he says, you know what, put a pin in that, I'll be back on Monday. Oh no, make that Tuesday, Monday's a holiday. No, no, make that Wednesday, Tuesday's a holiday this week, right? God never does that. And I'm always reminded that when we gather, and I know that it's fun when the place is full, but I'm always reminded that when we gather on these holiday weekends, there are always people who are here for the first time. There are always people who are here with a deeply felt need and that God uses these times to connect in very deep and very profound ways. And I know Dan said it earlier this morning, um, but our prayer is that what takes place in this time of gathering will literally be life-changing in some way for every one of us and for a few of us profoundly so. So that said, I have some things that I want to teach us this morning. And man, this is down to the nitty gritty of life. And we're in this series called The Way of Jesus, which is phenomenal. The way of Jesus has left its mark on our world. Billions of people claim to be followers of Jesus. And there's this profound thing that Jesus has done in our world that even people who don't follow him acknowledge that the world is a far better place after Jesus than it was before Jesus. And it's because of this way of life, this way of viewing life, this way of living life that is profoundly different and better than anything anyone experienced prior to Jesus. And yet, there are forces at work that literally pull us in the opposite direction from the way that Jesus would pull us. And so this morning, we, as we talk about the way of Jesus and we look at this passage of Scripture, we're going to take a look at a tough subject, but so good for us. Take a look at the screen. We're going we're gonna to take a look at this topic of overcoming the pull of our brokenness. And for the purposes of this teaching, I want us to think of, let's say, the pull of gravity. That's a pull you can never escape in this life. And you have to account for it all the time because gravity is always pulling you down. And there may have been a brief moment in your childhood after you saw a Superman movie and you, and you convinced your parents to get a cape and you went home and you put on the cape and you stood on the back of the couch and you decided you were Superman or Superwoman and that gravity had no pull on you. How'd it go? Yeah, boom, a painful ending. Because the truth is, no matter who you are, no matter what kind of cape you wear, even what kind of airplane you get into or jet or rocket, there is always the pull of gravity that you have to account for. 
So, for years, this debate has gone on in circles of theologians, psychologists, psychiatrists, sociologists, uh, in lots of different circles, and it's the nature versus nurture argument. The idea is, are we good by nature? And, and somehow the evil influences and circumstances in our world have somehow tarnished that goodness and they pull us down? Or are we evil by nature and somehow some people find a way to rise above that innate uh, not-so-good part of us? And it's sort of an either-or thing, okay? I won't get into the politics of it, but if you were to actually analyze the politics of our country, you would find that the big divide in our country actually starts with nature versus nurture. It's really interesting. Moving on, I would like to posit a question. In this great debate about nature versus nurture, I wonder how Jesus viewed people and how did he teach his followers to view people? Were they inherently evil and his goal was to help them rise above their kind of evil nature? Were they inherently good and somehow the circumstances had come against them and influences had come against them and he wanted to deal with those circumstances and influences and just let the natural goodness in them come out? How how did Jesus view people? Well, I make no attempt to bury the lead. Here it is right here. Jesus dearly and deeply believed and taught that all of us are created in God's image, and we all inherently have God's goodness in us. He always believed that. He always taught that. In fact, every writer in the Bible believed that and taught that. But there's a flip side to that coin as well. He also believed and taught that all of us also have a broken nature in us, And it causes us to want to do hurtful and destructive things. Hmm. You can relate to that, right? Yeah. This is why when we look at our world, there are tremendous acts of kindness and heroism and bravery and unselfishness that blow our minds. But it's also why in our world there are these detestable acts of cruelty and hatred and torture and and all these terrible things that happen in our world. How do we reconcile that? Well, Jesus said the way we reconcile it is to recognize that we all have seeds of both of those in us. And in the passage of Scripture that I'm just going to read through and then we're going to learn from it in a minute, Paul wants to remind us of a number of things that actually tie right into that. So I'm going to read our passage of Scripture for the morning and then I'll teach out of it. 
Paul says, in the Lord's name. By the way, you know what that means? You better listen, right? Because you have an apostle of Jesus teaching us something in the Lord's name, okay? I tell you this, do not continue living like those who don't believe. That means they don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in following the way of Jesus. Their thoughts add no value to life. I've had some of those thoughts that in the end were futile and and added no value to my life. They do not understand and they don't know the truth because they refuse to listen. Not everything that Jesus teaches us about life is easy to receive. Am I right? Some of it's difficult. Yeah. Well, they refuse to listen. And here's the sad part. So they cannot have the life that God gives. Now, earlier this morning, Darby read a passage of Scripture where God says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. And there is a sense in which every father and every mother actually give life to their children. God says, I want to be that kind of father to you. I want to give you life. The passage goes on to say this. They have lost their sense of shame. I won't even get into that. You can see that in our world today. And they use their lives for doing evil. They continually want to do all kinds of evil. But what you learned in Christ was not like this. I know that you heard about him, and I know that you are in him. Paul is writing a group of Christ followers who who have chosen to follow Jesus. And he says, I know you heard about him. I know you were in him. So you were taught the truth that is in Jesus. Now, twice, Paul has used the word truth in this passage because that's an important concept. To whatever degree... We are fooled in life and deceived. We will live in bondage. And to whatever degree we know, understand, and embrace truth, we will live and walk in freedom. Jesus himself said that. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Paul goes on to say, You were taught to leave your old self and to stop living the evil way you lived before. And then he gets into how that actually turns out. That old self becomes worse because people are fooled by the evil things they want to do. Do you understand that being fooled stands in the opposite side of knowing the truth, right? When I'm fooled, I don't actually know the truth. And Paul wants us to know that there's something on the inside of us that actually has the capacity to fool us, to get us to believe something that isn't actually true. And then he goes on, but you were taught to be made new in your hearts and to become a new person. And this is how that ends. That new person is made to be like God made to be truly good and holy. 
Now, that's a mouthful, isn't it? There's a lot in there. <clears throat> We're going to look at three base, basic principles we're going to look at a couple of cycles, and we're going to learn a valuable lesson in life from that passage. Let's start with those three basic principles. Number one is this. Paul wants us to be aware that we still have a broken nature. Even those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus, it's not like the moment we got baptized, somehow that old self in us just died and is never a factor again. That's not how it is. We still have that old nature living in us, and it creates a pull to live according to the values of this world. That pull is still there. Why? Because we were worldly before we became spiritual in Christ. And we're going to get into the cycles that this old nature and the world create in us. But Paul, he starts off by saying, hey, time out. Remember your old way? You got to leave that behind. It's still there. It's like gravity never goes away. Are you, are you open for a little confession? I'm not going to make you come up here and talk. But have you ever been shocked at some horrible thought you had, even after you decided to become a Christ follower. If you have, put your hand in the air. Yeah. It's like, where did that come from? That is nasty. Yeah. That old nature, it's still in there. And Paul wants us to know that. That's why the title of this teaching is Overcoming the Pull of our broken, our own brokenness. The second thing Paul points out is that the influence of those around us can easily rub off on us. And several times in that passage, he talks about those like other people do. And after decades of preaching and teaching people and talking with people and counseling them, I can assure you that one of the biggest challenges in this life is it's very easy to look at people around us who are not following Jesus at all and they are prospering and they are filthy rich and life seems to go well for them and they die in their old age and we're like, man. Pretty much every Christian I know says, you know what? Winning the lottery usually destroys somebody's life, but I'd like to try. <laughs> yeah. The influence of those around us has a pull on us. And there's an innate desire we all have to be like other people. None of us likes to be marginalized. None of us likes to be weird. None of us likes to be different in a way that nobody wants to be like us or with us. So there's this constant pull of the pressure of our culture and society. And it's all geared around the values of this world. And it's hard 
to live, as Jesus talked about, in the world without being of the world. So Paul's up front with us about that. And then the third great principle that's in this passage is this. There's this whole juxtaposition of desire versus discipline. Okay, desire versus discipline. Satisfying a desire or pull in us is always appealing, right? Shake your head like this. Yes, satisfying a desire is always appealing. But it never gets us where we really want to go. I'll give you a classic example that we've all experienced. It's Thanksgiving Day. And somebody has fired up a delicious turkey, and there's mashed potatoes, and there's gravy, and there's dressing, and there's cranberries, and there's green beans, and there's pumpkin pie, and there's apple pie, and there's rolls, and there's butter. Are you getting my drift? And we look at that, and we have an internal desire to sort of eat our way into oblivion. And we do. And it's so fun while it lasts. And about two hours later, what are we doing? What was I thinking? <laughs> I could never, I should never eat that much stuff. And we feel like we swallowed a bowling ball. And we go into a food coma and hope that we wake up feeling better. And we say, I'm never doing that again until next Thanksgiving. <laughs> when we listen to an appealing thing like that, and we buy in, it almost always takes us to a place that we actually don't want to go. And Paul wants us to know that. That, that we can make our decisions based on desire or we can make our decisions based on a discipline or a purpose. And Jesus calls us to a different way of making our decisions. So let's dig into that for a little bit because there's some really enlightening things that, that take place here. And the first thing we have to understand is this broken nature that's in us, it has, an, it has four principles that it operates on, and it's a cycle that it wants to replay over and over and over again in our lives. And it starts out beautiful and it ends up terrible, okay? So here, here are the cycles that our broken nature takes us through. First of all, it starts with an appeal. Something that is appealing. And you could go all the way back to the very first story in the Bible where Satan enters the garden and, and says to Eve, hey, how about eating from that tree? And here's literally what the Bible says. When Eve looked at the tree and saw that its fruit was much to be desired, it was appealing. Wow. Wow. You and I have these natural desires in us that have been in us from birth and they're part of our broken nature. 
You can see it in children that are one and two years old. You know what their mind thinks? If one toy is good, all the toys would be better. Which is why they grab and steal every other kid's toys. And they learn that beautiful word, mine. Does it bring out the best in them? No, it makes them ugly. Yeah. It's this appeal. We all have it. We think that there's some apparent joy if I would take this natural desire I have and just embrace it. And I don't want to get into all the ramifications this morning, but there is this thought in our culture that if it feels good to us, it must be right. Paul says, don't buy that. That's not actually true. Because step number two is, Paul used that they are fooled by what they're doing. Step number two is deception. Rather than being fulfilled, when we choose to sin, our desire for it only increases. No one ever steals once. Well, maybe. If you have enough conscience, you go, man, I don't like that. I'm never doing that again. But if you steal a little, pretty soon you'll be stealing more and more and more. Yeah. Because there's this whole thing that instead of it fulfilling us, it simply ignites a desire in us for more. That's one of the principles of this world. It takes us to number three. The more we sin, the less fulfillment we get from it. So what happens? We feel the need to do it more and more often. This is really easy to see in someone, let's say, who enters the world of narcotics. At first, they just want to get high and life will feel better. And they realize that the high lasts for about 45 minutes. And then your life is the same. Oh, well, I want to get high again because I felt better. So I get high again, but I don't get quite as high as I did the time before. So maybe two or three times in, I'll take a little more. And then I'll do it more often. Because there's this thing that happens. The more we sin, the less fulfillment we get from it. And here's the progression. When we feed a desire, it becomes a craving. And when we feed a craving, it becomes a habit. And when we feed a habit, it becomes an addiction. And then we look at the life we thought we wanted where we were free to do anything we wanted to do. And now this craving, this addiction rules our lives and we have no freedom. The only possible result is the destruction of the life that we actually wanted and thought we were going to get. 
Now, Paul, who learned this all from Jesus, says, hey, aren't we glad there's a different story than that one? And the basic message that Jesus gives is that he came to heal the brokenness in our world and this old nature that would actually destroy our life. Jesus said, I came to bring a whole new way of living that actually gets us where we want to go. So let's take a look at that. Jesus said, uh, Paul writes, it says, anyone who belongs to Christ is a new creation. This is the new life. The old things have gone away. In other words, they no longer dominate our lives. The new things, everything is made new. I have a new way of looking at everything. And by the way, if we were to go back to the title slide where we looked at overcoming the pull of our brokenness, underneath it, the subtitle was seeing people like Jesus sees us. It's a whole new perspective. And so here are, remember the four from our old way, here's the four new things that come to us in Jesus. Number one, we decide no longer to make our decisions based solely on appeal, and we decide to make our decisions based on a purpose. Wow. And the purpose is this. This is this intentional choice to do what actually builds me up, makes me a better person, not something that just pampers me, but something that actually makes me a better person and something that blesses the people around me. It's no longer just about what I want. It's about what actually blesses myself and people around me. The second thing is, instead of deception, we actually get the truth. And what we learn is, I'm not very good at determining truth by my own desires. In fact, that usually fools me. So I have learned to trust what Jesus says more than what I want to do. And when I do that, he reveals the truth to me. And oftentimes, the truth helps me look at something that might at one point have been appealing to me and to see the truth about it and to go, nah, it's not for me. I'm done with that. And then that leads us to this place of freedom because I really want us to get this good behavior done from love fulfills us. Wow. But it never creates a bondage or an addiction in us. Okay? This is not actually in my notes. But any church that makes you feel guilty if you don't do this and this and this and this and this is actually leading you into the bondage of guilt. That's not how Jesus works. He gives you a beautiful and wonderful purpose and invites you to make your choices around that purpose without scaring you into it. Because there's no freedom when you're scared into it. That's why it says, good behavior done from what? 
Love, not guilt, done from love, never creates an addiction in us. And last of all, the longer we practice good behavior from love, the more alive we feel. Isn't that true? Every time you do something good and you bless somebody and you know it changes their life, there's something that happens inside you that you go, oh, that's like the greatest feeling in the world. The more alive we feel. Now, this is going to be no surprise to anybody who comes here all the time. But I want to show you that on virtually every page of the Bible, how the statements that are the heartbeat of our church actually come from the statements on virtually every page of the Bible. Here's what this new perspective looks like in us as we live it out. Number one, everybody's loved. Right? Because this is part of this new perspective that, that Jesus gives us. Instead of looking at people as, as problems and messy and, and disappointing and they're all broken and they all do bad things and eventually they all let me down. Instead of that, we, we start to look at them and realize they are God's children. And no matter how messed up they are right now, buried inside them is the beautiful goodness of God himself because they have been created in his image. And therefore, they are worthy of every ounce of my love. Secondly, nobody's perfect. We all know, ooh, because we all have a broken nature in us and it creates in us wrong thoughts and wrong desires. And once in a while we give in and it leads us into wrong behaviors. Anybody relate to that? We all can, right? We all can. So when I no longer am surprised by the brokenness in me, I can be grieved about it, but I need to be honest about it. And when I look at the man in the mirror and I realize, yes, that guy wants to do good, but he's broken. And there are parts of him that just don't work right yet. It enables me to look at everybody else and not be surprised at the brokenness in them. And therefore, I don't use their brokenness as a reason not to love them. Everybody on board with that? Because we're all broken in some way. And then thirdly, because Jesus came to heal the brokenness in our world, anything is possible. When I look at a person that's all messed up, even if it's the guy in the mirror who's all messed up, I realize that whoever that is, if they would just take Jesus by the hand and say, Jesus, would you fix me because I can't fix me? That Jesus can make beautiful people out of anybody. That's why Paul closed this passage by this thing we already read. 
That new person is made to be like God, made to be truly good and truly holy. I want to close with an illustration. I hope you can see this from where you are. What is that? That's the space shuttle, okay? A very, very powerful jet. And yet, scientists and astrophysicists who have studied this thing for decades have come to realize that there's a thing called escape velocity. And in order to break the pull of Earth's gravity, whether you're a space shuttle, a human, it doesn't make any difference. In order to break the pull of Earth's gravity, you have to achieve a speed of at least 25,000 miles per hour. Any less, and gravity wins, and it will suck you back down. Now, it's an amazing jet. But it's not capable of going 25,000 miles per hour in Earth's atmosphere. So there's a problem. How does this guy escape the pull of gravity? Here you go. You know what this is? Main rocket? Rocket boosters. And when you put this guy on the main rocket and the rocket boosters, there's an amazing thing that happens. The rocket and the rocket boosters take this guy where he could never go on his own. He just doesn't have the capacity. Friends, you and I are like this. Amazing, wonderful, capable of amazing things. But the one thing you and I are not capable of is overcoming the pull of our own brokenness. We can do it for moments at a time, but never over a lifetime. And that's where Jesus comes in and says, I have the power to make you into the person you could never make yourself. Yeah. And that's why every Sunday we invite everyone in our audience and we say, of all the things that you will ever do in life, the biggest, best, and most important thing you could ever decide is to get on board with Jesus because he can take you places You simply don't have the power to take yourself. So we offer that invitation this morning. There's a place on your connect card that says, I'd like like to learn more about following Jesus or I choose to follow Jesus. If you're ready to make that decision, make it this morning and begin the journey of a lifetime and begin to experience the G's that astronauts experience as their cheeks are laid back and, and, and they go on a journey they've never taken before. Let God take you on a journey you've never taken before to take you to places 
where you will be more alive and more fulfilled than anything you've ever felt. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, wow. What an amazing lesson. Thank you for telling us that we still have a broken nature and we need to always be aware of that and realize it's always pulling us down. And it always pulls us toward listening to our baser desires that lead us eventually into bondage. And thank you also for telling us there's that new nature in us that's always pulling us toward you and that you will take us places we could never go on our own. Would you give us courage and faith to make that decision today? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.